We have a lot to celebrate, folks. The uh, the curse is over. The curse is dead. The Yankees <sighs> have won their first playoff series in nine attempts. Uh, or no, sorry, since 2006 um, with the uh, win over the Twins back in 2006. And the first uh, series-deciding game win since 1973. We were 0-9 at that point, and now... We are one and nine, so that's good. The curse is over, Julio. There's a lot to celebrate. What an amazing game, too. What a f- exciting, very stressful game to watch. <laughs> that was not fun. <laughs> Straight up, <laughs> it was even like, like even when they had a lead, and like we know how good the pen has been, I was still not having a good time. <laughs> it was so stressful. I mean, like when when they were up one zero, I was texting you. I'm like, dude, this is fuck. This is driving me crazy. Yeah. I can't believe it. And then they were up 3-0. I'm just like, oh, my God, now it's getting nerve-wracking. I know it's only three innings. It's early, but this is what happened game one. I think just the repeat of, like, the game one, like, style um, in that last game, you think, like, oh, my God, they're going to co- totally collapse. They're going to feel the stress like they have been the past three playoff runs, and they're just not going to be able to deliver. And then Sean Murphy comes up the bat and just the loudest crack of the bat I've ever heard. I mean, obviously not, like, actually loudest crack but in my mind it felt like the loudest crack of the bat i've ever heard in my life just probably just getting those uh, louder because there's no crowd no nobody in the crowd besides the families and the box suites i think just because of the uh the what's the word i'm looking for the like the moment yeah the moment in general so in my mind it just felt like it was just such a big hit just be and and hit for a rookie (laughs) to step up like that was just fucking amazing it's it was pretty exhilarating but you're right like game theory had all the kind of same stuff that we saw the same game script in game one whereas the white talks were getting to our starters pretty quick they were getting they were hitting bombs fucking Luis roberts that is like the furthest home run hit i've seen in oakland since like maybe the cespedes day but holy crap um but this this something that is pretty special about this team is they led the MLB and walk-offs uh, they led the MLB and in extra inning wins they're resilient as shit and it really showed yesterday it really showed like this is a pretty special team we have here really wish Chapman could be there from what it sounds like he was going crazy in like the team group text on there mm-hmm. so it, it was awesome I think I've probably lost a couple years off my life um, over these last three days I didn't sit down yesterday and I got to the point, so there was a point where, because um, we're all extremely superstitious, I was originally, I was standing behind the couch and shit wasn't happening. So I went to the kitchen, I was starting to make some lunch, and that's when the rally started. And I'm like, all right, I can't really move around this area anymore. <laughs> so for like inning four through the rest of the game, yeah. I was standing around the kitchen area. I started washing dishes. I was just, yeah. just anything like, all right, this is working over here. Well, I think the biggest thing for me is, like, in the past, these young teams just haven't, like, the pressure's gotten to them. And Sean Murphy was, like, I don't know if it's just ignorance because he's so young. Like, I think it's, like, the opposite. Like, he just, he didn't sweat it. He didn't fret it at all. And he just came up the bat, and he took it pretty deep count, which was pretty good. And then he just fucking cracked it. And then, you know, there did show good signs. I think it was the second, second inning they had, like, runners on first and third. And then it was just like two strikeouts in a row by like Canna and Olsen or a fly out, two fly outs in a row. And you're just like, fuck, this is going to not be happening again. We can't strand runners again. But 
in the, I think it was the fourth inning when they ro- walked in the two runs. Like this is like this shows that this team is now mature and they can handle these big moments. And and they the patience <laughs> the patience of these guys um, uh, going up to the plate in in a winner go home game and, and when you're down like it was it was fantastic to watch. Mark Canna walked in a run and then who was it? It was uh, Olson walked in a run. Ma, yeah, Matt Olson walked in a run. Uh, obviously the big. Chad Pinder hit that we all um, know about that tied up the game. That was amazing for him to come off the bench um, and just get that huge hit for them. Um, it was just, and then obviously this. I think the story of this game is the bullpen and how how the two managers managed the bullpen and how just how good ours was was really the ending factor of how of what won us the game because you know to hold a two run lead for four innings is not an easy thing to do. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was a bullpen game for sure, but, but, uh, I just want to give credit to the young now mature hitters that, uh, that, that put runs on the board when they needed them. So there was something I texted you yesterday, but I think as the game started or before the game, I'm like, there's a point I want to make if the A's pull this off and they did. So now that I were here, as soon as I realized that this was going to be a bullpen game, I'm like, the A's are going to win. Yeah. Because, not not because, yeah, obviously we know how great the A's bullpen, and the White Sox have a really good bullpen as well. I think they're like, I think they said during the broadcast, they're like third or fourth in the American League. Bowmel outcoached the shit out of uh, Renteria. Ed, Ed Renteria. Like that, and early this week, I was ready for like, for him calling for his head. We I've been a big supporter of his. But just this week, in between the last couple weeks of the season, and how bad the first game went, and I thought it was, and it didn't also really didn't matter as much in the end. But I thought it was pretty smart for Bowmel to throw out and retrospective to throw out Jesus in our first game, because if we get made it to game three, you don't want to put a rookie in that situation. No. Yeah. And what did the White Sox do? They put a rookie in that yeah. situation. Yeah. So at the end of the day, ah, he was light to quote the Warriors podcast, the Warriors World podcast, light years ahead. That is, yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know if that was his intention, but that I, I is, think if he, that is, he just outcoached a shit out of Renteria. I, I think he learned from his mistake in game one. I was telling you this because I was listening on the radio. I was at work. Um, so you didn't have that available. I mean, you did have, you had that availability, but you didn't, um, kind of didn't. Um, I listened to the Bo Mel show. So for those A's fans who don't know it, before every single um, game, uh, the A's radio broadcast does the Bo Mel show, which is when Ken Korak interviews Bob Melvin and uh, kind of gets what the keys to the game are. So he admitted before game two that um, Jesus Lazardo's struggles in game one was not on Lazardo; It was on the strategy and the game plan going against the White Sox in that game. So Bo- Bob Melvin wanted to pitch around Jose Abreu, he didn't want to put him in scenarios where he could, you know, score runs. They wanted to just get him on base or get him, get him, whatever. Just kind of pitch around him. Don't give up a big bomb. And what happened? It bit him in the ass. Jesus Lazardo was pitching around Jose Abreu, and he fucking knocks a three-run homer. Um, so he admitted that that was his mistake, and he didn't want to do that again, especially with such an aggressive. 
um, hitting team that that was not the move. So from then on, he was not going to let his pitchers do that. He was going to let his pitchers pitch their game um, and decide how they wanted to go about the batting order and whatnot. And it, you know, for him to do that and then to play the bullpen game that he did, and he just genius by him, knowing that Renteria only had two lefties available in the bullpen that day. Um, so he was going to face a lot of righties and he purposely benched, um, a couple good righties, um, just in case they needed to come up in big pinch hit moments and to force Renteria regularly to go through his bullpen. I think it was the third inning, um, when they started to get runners on Jake Lamb was coming up to, or no, it was the fourth inning when they made that run. Jake Lamb, no, maybe it was the third inning. I can't remember. Jake Lamb was coming up to bat and, uh, Renteria uh, had a righty going in, and um, in order to force Renteria to ch- to switch out pitchers, um, he pinch hit um, Chad Pinder in that scenario. Um, so Renteria comes in, and he brings out one of his lefties. So he only has one lefty available left in the bullpen, just continuously forcing the issue. And again, like what you said, our bullpen stepped up to the plate, came, and they didn't really walk that many guys. They delivered pitches in their spots when they needed to. Renteria's bullpen was not doing that. It felt like every single time they brought in a guy, he was walking like two dudes. And it was just like it was not being productive. And and that's what a good, strong bullpen does for you in the postseason. When you need them, they're there for you, and they, they, they step up to the plate. The White Sox did not have that. He could not rely on his guys coming in to pitch because they every single one was given up two walks. Yeah, I think there was something uh, – the. White Sox bullpen pitched yesterday, Thursday's game, something like 140, or the team as a whole pitched like 145 pitches. Jesus. Which is not great. And one of the strategies I remember talking about when we recorded our preview pod this past week was, again, this team is, the White Sox hitting is aggressive as shit. We saw Tim Mm. Anderson. I'm just so glad I don't have to see Tim Anderson. I know, dude. He set the record for the most hits ever in the three-game series. Yeah. In the play, like that. God damn, that team's going to be terrifying. Give yeah. them like another year or two. Next five once. years, they're going to be regularly in the playoffs for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but they, they played them exactly how we wanted to play them, which is like, they're aggressive as shit. They're willing to swing at everything. They only – I don't have the stats in front of me, but they only walked a handful of times. Um, they – you can just tell how aggressive Tim Anderson was and that benefit for him. And I think one of the things too is I don't think we really expected the bottom half of the lineup to really kill us mm-hmm. outside of what Angle did in game one. If I remember right, uh, that bottom half, once you got past whoever was in the five hole, which was mm-hmm. like usually like Moncada, um, they – Roberts, uh, Mazzara, Engel, Madrigal. Yeah, they were – I mean, Mazzara had two hits, but the rest Luis of them – Luis Roberts hit the home run yesterday. But, yeah. And then he had another hit. But I think for most of the part, they kind of did their job and handled them. Mm-hmm. We also have to acknowledge, too, because this is a part of any playoff run for any team in every sport, is not only do you have to be good, you have to, have to catch some luck. So the fact mm-hmm. that um, Eloy Jimenez left the game and yeah. then uh, the rookie – reliever uh Grichik. I think I talked about him last week as well. Him leaving the game after Crochet, throwing yeah. having like one or two at bats. He had two strikeouts too. Yeah, so huge two huge 
bullets dodge there. And again, mm-hmm. if it's the part of the postseason in every sport is just some dumb luck that it happens. And those two of those guys after Eloy hit a double and I think he scored or caught a, got an RBI out of it. It's luck. So thank God that happened. Yeah, dude. And I just want to say it wasn't just the usual like star-studded end of the bullpen that stepped up yesterday. Obviously, Soria, Diekman, and Hendricks all did well. But, I mean, Montas, yes, he gave up a run, but he pitched two great innings. And he got into trouble and he got out. Uh, when Delkin was phenomenal, pitched one inning, no hits, no walks, no strikeouts, but just great. Um, Trevino pitched amazing. Petit gave up the two um, runs, but, um, you know, like he kind of came in, in second inning and into trouble. That was just kind of – that's Bob Melvin's go-to guy. You kind of have to like he, – he, you know, he's he's working out of a shitty scenario. But that was um, – that was fucking tight. Also, another moment I want to bring up. Another I told you so for me. Once again, Chris was right. Um, when we adjust the lineup to um, putting the hot hitters at the top of the lineup, they deliver. Tommy Lastella, one for three, two runs, uh, one walk. This was yesterday? Uh, yeah. Marcus Simeon, yeah. Uh, two for four, one run, uh, one walk. Jake Lamp, not so great, but Chad Pender, three for two, two runs, two RBIs. Or Mark two for Hanna, three. Two for three, sorry. Yeah. Mark Hanna, one for four with a walk. I mean, and then Matt Olson didn't have a hit. He was 0 for three. He had I that think big you got to hit the whole series. Yeah. It, it, uh, Sean Murphy was one for two with the, obviously the big home run. He probably should have been hitting fifth instead, and it would have been a different scenario. But, you know, Bob Melvin finally put the hot hitters at the top of the lineup, and it fucking paid off. It fucking paid off when we needed to. And something really kind of stood out too is our bottom three of the lineup I think going forward into this next series they're just as strong as the top three and that's something that uh, obviously you're going to see you know with like a team like the Yankees uh, and Astros have a pretty solid lineup race there's a pretty good argument that like the A's bottom three hitters are probably just as good as if not better than most of those teams bottom three and can we also make a note that Chris Davis has having a huge comeback right now? Yeah. And he's hitting better than the, the kind of only star of our team left, um, Matt Olson. Like, that's when we need him, he's there. And that's huge. That's huge for us moving forward. Yeah, that's he got that home run. And even, okay, so even though Ollie's bat isn't there, and if, yeah. they got to move him down the lineup further, hit him to the six hole for this next series, even mm-hmm. with, because. If he hits, then great. Here's your reward. You move up a little bit. We be successful. But he was outside of the dropped ball that he had uh, yesterday. He was again elite at first. Yeah, he's playing excellent deep. Yeah. What's what else do we really expect? He's gonna win another Gold Glove. He's won two before. Yeah. Uh, he's been a, was an elite defender, and he was a huge game changer for a couple of those like plays he made out there. So. That's what makes somebody like him so special. As frustrated as we are with how he's hitting, we know how much power he brings. We saw what he did in the regular season, even if the average wasn't there. To know that, like, that guy's going to anchor your infield, and if anybody, especially with having a replacement player at third for Chappie, you know you got somebody at first that's going to bail you out. And look, I'm not calling for his head. I don't want him to be benched. I just don't want him to be hitting in scenarios where there's three men on and he strikes out or flies out. Like I just don't want him in those scenarios. So move him down the lineup where he doesn't have to get these big at-bats when he's 0 for 
12. Um, yeah. He doesn't have to get get a hit in these big at-bats where there's a lot of pressure on him. Like, let's ease the pressure on him. Let's get him a rhythm going, and maybe if he gets some momentum, we can move him up. Uh, especially Absolutely. when guys like Murphy are delivering in big spots and they're hitting ninth. Like, I don't know. Um, so how does it feel to finally win a postseason uh, series after all this time, Julio? I was a senior in high school when they won against the Twins. Actually, I think we talked about this before. I was yeah. at Game 3. And um, I I think the biggest thing was, like, I remember just being like, we're going to the World Series. Like, fuck the Tigers. Screw you, mm-hmm. Kenny Rogers. And then we got swept. Um, yeah. So, I obviously, I'm very excited. Uh, it was pretty surreal yesterday. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, and yes, we have a fantastic record against Houston this year and Houston had a losing dominating record. dominating yes um, there are some things that were in our favor like playing I think there was 10 games against Houston uh, mm-hmm. eight of those games were at home so yeah take it with a grain of salt I'm not gonna get ahead of myself because that's what we should try to do so I think very excited bring to this moment we have the weekend to really talk about it and celebrate it but let's not get ahead of ourselves just yet i just feel like a big weight's been lifted off absolutely of our of my shoulders and just like i i was just i i i think the reason why i was freaking out after they scored those runs in the first inning yesterday was just like oh god here we go just more like media bullshit the A's are now 0-10 in, in game-deciding series. And then more Giants fans talking shit. You guys can't even win a world – you guys can't even win a playoff series. Just like – I don't know. I, it's just like things like that. And it's just – I feel like like that's just fucking done now. Thank God. Like, I, and I don't I don't have to listen to it. And I can just be excited for – nice background change. I can just be excited for, you know, the playoffs moving forward and not have to, like, feel – um, the, that pressure as much. It's just it's still going to be very stressful, but not as much. Can I bring up you, one point about yeah. just the playoffs in general? Yeah. So we, I know we were saying all season because the Astros are barely a, are under five hundred team that made the playoffs. Um, the um, Mariners didn't play so well, even though they were in playoff contention a little bit towards the end. They did not play so well this year. Uh, same with the Rangers. Same with the Astros. Um, I know we kind of said like middle of the season, like maybe the AL West just sucks. I think this proves that I, the AL Central sucks, and the AL West. I guess we just didn't get to see the sample size. Maybe we're just a lot better than we thought, and we're just beating up on each other because all three AL Central teams lost in the first round. All three of them, like that's pretty wild. I know that the the Twins have their record of they're like zero and like twelve in, like, yeah. in playoff games, that's but like. But like to have all three of them not make it through, like and 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 two of them be be swept, like that's pretty crazy. That's the pretty fact crazy. That you have this. You have the Cy Young winner in the AL Central with yeah. Bieber. You have probably the two man race for MVP with Abreu and Jose Ramirez yeah. in the AL Central, and none of them advanced. And know, that was dude. something we brought up. It's like, yeah, we played bad teams. We played with the Mariners and the Angels and. And uh, and the Rangers, but like Royals or Tigers are just as bad, if not worse, and it it, it showed. Um, but it, there's a couple things not to give too much excuses for these other teams. Um, something we did even talk about it because I feel like this it should have been a bigger story and maybe it was swept under the rug that I didn't realize that Terry Francona hasn't been the acting manager since August. 
Uh oh, I didn't know yeah, that he's, either. Yeah, he's had some health concerns, so Terry. And with COVID uh, too. I, oh yeah. Yeah, I doubt he listens. Uh, but yeah. you know, best of wishes out there. So Sandy Alomar was taking over. So there were some decisions that happened during those games that, like, uh, a veteran manager would have known better, but because didn't have that there. There, uh, Rick Rentria. This is also his first year. He had previous coaching yeah. experience, but nothing in the postseason. And then the Twins are just there's a curse. I don't know what it is. Yeah, so so with the Indians are concerning because like they didn't really score any runs. That's that's the, and here's the thing like when it comes down to managerial decisions, like your offense still has to deliver, and they didn't. Um, with the White Sox, yeah, I mean, young team, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make a World Series run in the next five years. Yeah. Like, they're good. They I like Renteria as manager. His bullpen just didn't show up for him yesterday. It's really that simple. The Twins, Absolutely. yeah, I mean, the Twins are cursed worse. I thought we were bad. The Twins are cursed worse than we are. Like that's a that's a rough stat to look I at. My jokes were bad. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, uh, but before we go on to the next stuff, we kind of touch on it for a second. But let's let's rant for at least a couple. Sure, minutes go ahead. Of this. You can start it off. Holy crap! Was ESPN terrible? Oh my god! Oh my freaking god! Almost every twitter fan that or a's fan that follows us on twitter and i'm just looking through our feed going on reddit game threads uh we have like a facebook group of friends from home who are all ace fans oh my god did people hate that broadcast jessica mendoza i don't know how she's still in the booth after how much shit she got from being on baseball tonight on sundays um it's just constant 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 just undermining and dismissal of this team um as soon as i found out that that was going to be our broadcast duo with jessica mendoza and um dave fleming uh, yeah i muted it and i just synced up the radio broadcast with the tv so i could listen to korak and and fossey I uh, I vented God, with my dreadful I vented I with my parents on the phone about this yesterday. Like I don't like I, I am so fucking tired of Jessica Mendoza. Like she, it felt like every inning she brought up the fact that we were we were uh, we haven't won a game deciding series a series in a series in a game deciding game. It was like every fucking inning. They're like and here like here we go. The A's have the struggles again. This is why they haven't won a won a, a game in a, a series deciding game. It's just like oh my god, shut up. Like, just shut up. Like, we get it. We know. You don't have to remind us. Every, it, it was like, it almost felt like it was a clear uh, favoritism. Like, she, she wanted to seem, like, right in the media's eyes, like, later on in the day. Like, yeah, you brought it up a lot. Yeah, because, I don't know. It, it just, it, it, it felt very, like, chip on my shoulder type of vibe. But also, you would think that Dave Fleming would have a little bit more love for the A's, and he was doing the same thing. It felt like he was bringing it up when she wasn't bringing it up, and it was driving me crazy. And then, you know, there's not much deep analysis from Jessica Mendoza. She's kind of just like, yeah, you know, Matt Olson, he's a beast. And it's just like, okay, cool. Like, Can you break down what's going on in this at-bat so that like people like you know us who don't understand pitching that well can kind of get a, a understanding of it? It's just... I don't know, man. It was driving me crazy. She was constantly hating on us the entire series. She was deep throating. You know what? Maybe that's a bad word to use since she's a yeah, woman, so I'm not going to use that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I apologize for using that phrase. But she was all over favoring, um, favoring the White Sox, the, White Sox um, the entire time, the entire series, um, and just like talking about how great they're going to be in the future, even when like they were losing in the ninth inning. Like, 
she was just talking about how great the White Sox are going to be going forward and not about like how great this win was today. It's just, oh my God. I just, I wanted to like, my, my my mom went on a rant too. She was so frustrated by it. But luckily, <laughs> luckily, moving forward, we are going to be on TBS. So we're going to have two of the greatest of all times, Brian Anderson, Ron Darling, Darling amazing uh, duo for national broadcast. So we don't have to listen to that bullshit anymore. Um, and it's honestly, and, and, and nothing like, personally against her is despite her shitting on our team because like she's a she knows her shit when it actually comes to baseball stuff because she's been an olympian she's an olympian she's yeah. worked in front offices but she's just it just shows you just because you know your stuff you it's so hard to do in the broadcast booth this is the same problem with like a rod who a rod when he's in studio on tbs fantastic we mm-hmm. know how smart of a baseball player he is he he just he's still struggling in the booth and I think that's also a huge ESPN problem too, because I think we talked we talked about this in the past. I don't remember if this on air or whatever. Uh, NBA, they got it on lock with mm-hmm. Doris Burke, um, Stan Van Gundy, Mike Brain, Mark Jeff Jackson. Go f yourself. Fantastic play call. Monday Night Football. They're starting to get together. It's in the infancy, and plus they got a really good like NFL Live um, like thing going on with their new crew. Shout out to my homegirl Mina Kimes. Uh, and then college football, they got Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler, who've been together for twenty plus years and exactly. do a phenomenal like they job. They get it. Yeah. How hard is it to get it with baseball? They're doing it right with Matt Vaskersian, but then of course you're putting him on the primetime games when we know the Dodgers are going to kick the crap out of the white, the Brewers, and they yeah. did. And this is uh, one last thing before we go on to talk about more stuff and all these things. Don't interview the goddamn players in a yeah. playoff series so stupid i know players will agree to do it because they want to be able to put their face out there and their agents are probably pushing them and they just and they want to be a good more. sport too yes absolutely what the hell is wrong with you yeah don't so do dumb. it so stupid so stupid like like I understand, like, a regular season, like, the first game of the regular season or in the All-Star game, but during a playoff game, like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Like, let these guys play baseball. That shit drove me crazy yesterday. And then what happens? Ramon drops an F-bomb on air, and then you guys are going to get in trouble. Yeah. Don't do it. And yeah. manager Dave Roberts came out, and he told his players, like, don't do it. If they ask you, don't do it. Yeah. It's yeah. stupid. I hate it. Multiple media members were for the A's were just saying how much they hate it. Susan Slesser was a huge like proponent against it she was even um i know chris got kind of mad he's like i don't want to talk about it right now yesterday but if you go yeah. back you're uh, talking i mean was, you're telling me this in the most stressful innings of the game yeah i just didn't want to hear it <laughs> and now that it's a little less you should go back and check it out yeah. but her and brian olney were going at it on twitter buster because, only. or buster only i'm sorry yeah. he was saying like oh usually we only get like 20 percent 15 percent of the people to do it and I was like, why are you asking in the first place? Yeah. Have them talk in the dugout. Yeah. Have them anything. That's not on the pl- – like, during the season, during uh, spring training, hell yeah. I think it's awesome. But don't do it during these high-pressure situations. It's it's not even that interesting <sighs> in the first place. They don't really talk much. They're obviously focusing on what's going on in the game. Like, it's, like Loriano was just like, yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's good. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, like, like you're not going to get much out of it. It's completely pointless. Here's a better idea: don't do it to the team that's losing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I just want to touch on the Jessica Minnows stuff. Yeah, honestly, she's great in studio. I love like when she comes on like SVP uh, Sports Center and she like does her little hits and talks about the game. But it, in the game, it's just bad, and I just fucking hate it. Um, all right, Julio. So, um, how do you feel about the rest of the postseason moving forward with this team? Are you confident? Are you iffy? What's going on? Again, never get ahead of yourselves with this team. We've been heartbroken before. Something I thought about last night, though, and obviously uh, we should feel pretty solid because we dominated the Astros this season. Having it on a neutral site, and we'll talk a little bit more about that series later. Yeah. Um, having it on a neutral site is going to be kind of uh, interesting, but like, you have to feel good because of how much you dominated. And they, I know the Astros are trying to say, they, oh, we have a chip on our shoulder. We are like, dude, shut up. But no one, no one did, feels bad for them, and no, no one's going to agree like, with them. So Carlos yeah. Correa should just stop talking. Yeah, um, and the whole country is rooting for the A's, and it's going to be great. Yeah. But Liam came out in his post game yesterday. He's like, yeah, we're ready to prove we're the best team. We were the best team in the AL West all year. We were ready to mm-hmm. show it. But the one thing uh, kind of hit me last night, in a regular season, um, around – you know, A's are notorious, slow starters. It wasn't a, a, a thing this year. They actually start off pretty well. And then they hit their lull kind of in the middle and kind of struggled towards the end of the series. Yeah. Usually around June, they start really clicking and they start mm-hmm. figuring it out. So about two and a half months into the season, roughly. Mm-hmm. If this were, if you were to put, you know, line up the months or whatever, this is roughly two and a half months into a standard regular season. Yeah. Um, so I don't want, again, not going to get ahead of ourselves, but if they start really clicking now, it's like some of these guys are just starting to figure out Marcus was terrible in the regular season. He was a stud this whole postseason, this whole three game series he had a yeah. huge bomb on this game too. He, Came up um, in big moments, which is what you want your your like leader, your captain, of your team to do too. Yeah, Sean Murphy, holy crap! That uh, there's not much more we can say about him. Mark Canna uh, was getting on base. He wasn't doing a huge stuff at the bat, but gigantic plays in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Saint Tommy Lestel. We could just go on and on, but I could. I'm not gonna knock on wood if you're with me. Um. I could see them fucking making a run, man. Because this is yeah. around the time where guys really get it. We got a really favorable matchup. I'm pretty confident. Um, we dominated the Astros all season, even when they were healthy. So I'm not too worried about it. And, you know, I guess you could say don't count your chickens too early. But, like, I don't know. I just – I I wouldn't be surprised if they sweep the Astros. That's how confident I am. I just – there's nothing about that team that that scares me. And I think – Again, with the three AL Central teams being bounced out the first round, I think that was proof that that uh, the AL West is just better than the AL Central. That's why we dominated. That it's not an I don't think it's an impressive look on the Astros. Like, oh wow, well the Astros are a lot better than we thought. No, I think they're about what we thought, but I think just the AL Central is a lot worse than we thought. I think that's really what it comes down to. And so likely it's going to be what? Well, sorry, and the Twins are cursed. Yeah, yeah, like they built that. They probably built that stadium on like an Indian burial ground. Yeah, probably. It. It's probably. like poultry guys in that Target field. 
Um, so I, yeah, I'm pretty confident. I mean, I would assume it's going to be the same rotation in that series moving forward. Maybe Manaya pitches game three instead of fires, but I would assume we see Lazardo one and Bassett two. I know Bassett had a really good game, but I don't know if the rest, the amount of days of rest line up well for him. They probably do. It's not till Monday. Yeah. I, I think you're going to probably be able to have a full like reset on your rotation of how you wanted to set up. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe he goes one, and then and then Lazardo goes two. I know, like I was listening to the post game show with Chris Townsend yesterday, who he put together an amazing show. By the way, I love how Towny. I love how uh, um, uh, vulnerable he is in and admitting how stressful he was. He said that his wife was driving, uh, he was driving his wife crazy because he was pacing around the, his living room the entire day. Uh, he was saying, like, it, no question he would go Bass at game one, which I agree. I mean, if if it lines up, then why not? And then you go Lizardo two, and then Mania three, hopefully, and then Fires four. That would be pretty nice. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, who they got? Grinky? Like, we're good. And also, apparently, uh, also what Townie was saying, that they ran through their bullpen um, a lot in the first game, um, and then hardly at all the second game. Um, and because they finished a day before us, that's like a lot of days rest for their bullpen, so they might be a little bit rusty. Um, so look out for that, and especially with the A's who have the best, um, who are the best hitters against bullpens in the entire league this season. Um, they're very big on getting runs late in games, so that could be something beneficial for us. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm confident. It's the series after that, those opponents that I would be worried about. But we'll we'll touch on that if. We get there, fingers crossed, yeah. if we get to that point next week. And um, we alluded to it earlier, but we're planning on doing a full series breakdown on a later episode. This is going to be a shorter one, probably maybe like 35, 40 minutes, yeah. roughly. And then, um, we'll record something Sunday night or something like that for you guys for Monday. Yeah, after we watch the Raiders get blown out by Josh Allen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, we'll see with the, with the missing one. your top two receivers. But anyways, yeah, uh, very exciting. I think I'm so glad we just have the weekend just to kind of decompress and just not at feel the same time. Out. I really want to watch playoff baseball baseball this weekend. But no, you're right. I mean, it'll, it'll be cool. My parents are coming to town next week, so I hope that uh, we can go watch the game somewhere. Yeah. Oh, oh well, um, L.A. bars are or breweries are reopening so find a brewery that's going to be doing like outdoor seating yeah, with that'd be cool. tvs and there you go yeah all um, right well uh, i think that's going to do it unless you have well, any last no, thoughts no, no, not yet we got one last thing oh yeah who is your series mvp that's right i forgot about that um so this is a tough one for me and i want to say sean murphy um but i really want to pick someone from the bullpen because the bullpen was just so important in this entire series so i'm gonna go with jake diekman he came in in big moments and he he sorry did i take yours um he came in in such crucial moments and he came in um with the pitcher before him in trouble like with runners on and he gets out of it i think he gave up one run in game two that wasn't earned though um oh no no he he actually got out of that scenario um, he was just so good. He was so lights out. Something else I looked up, Julio, um, on his contract, he's locked up until 2022. So if they don't re-sign Liam Hendricks in the offseason, I mean, he's probably going to be our closer next season now that I think about it. Um, so it, for me, it's Jake Diekman. He was, he was just so big. And 
I'd like to pick the bullpen as a. And I just would like to just mention the bullpen as a whole. Um, just doing a great job. Yeah, they're really show that like that's our strength. Trevino had like was struggling a little bit location wise, and uh, uh, Montas was kind of losing it a little bit. But as a whole, they were as good as advertised on paper. Uh, I I, I kind of wanted to pick Sean Murphy too. Uh, I he's going to be, you know what? Yeah, screw it. I'm picking Sean Murphy. I was yeah, going to go Marcus. Love. Yeah, I was going to go Marcus. Uh, he had a huge game yesterday. He went two for four. He had the two-run bomb on Wednesday as well. But uh, Sean caught all three games. Yeah. And that's pretty big for the sake of most of the season. He's been a part of uh, a rotation in between when it was him and Austin Allen and him and Jonah Heim. The fact that he caught all three games, pretty fantastic. Uh, he went one for three on Tuesday, he also had another one for three game on Wednesday, and then yesterday, of course, huge, momentous bomb. Uh, he went, he, uh, he went one for two, but he also had a walk. Do you want to hear his series stats? Yeah. So he was three for for eight, like you said. Three. Uh, he he came. He scored three runs, drove into three seventy five batting average. Um. 500 on base percentage. So half the time he was half the time he had an at bat he was on base. <laughs> so so I mean that's pretty cool because he it's, walked once. And, um, and, and 1.25 OPS. So he stepped up he stepped up big. Stepped up he's big. starting to become so much more comfortable with this rotation for guys that are not Lazardo too. He's really 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 coming in. Yeah. Uh Chris yesterday was texting me. He's like, "Hey, if Marcus leaves, I think this is my favorite player now." He is. I'm gonna get a Kelly Green jersey if if Marcus leaves, and I'm not able to get a Marcus Simeon Kelly Green jersey. I'm getting a John Murphy one, 100. And uh, I was I was talking with my brothers yesterday, and I was like, and I was like, you know, when we recorded this podcast a while back, and I was talking about Sean Murphy, I was kind of like, oh, I wouldn't be shocked if he goes on like a Buster Posey style run. And my brothers like, no way, dude. He's like Buster Posey's a Hall of Famer. I'm like, no, I know you're right. Sean's gonna be better. <laughs> I don't. I'm not quite. It's... I'm not quite there yet. But uh, <laughs> but that would I'll be cool. I will forget. Homeboy's big. That is a big boy behind the plate. Yeah, he's he's tall, dude. He's uh, let's see, I got it right here. He's six three, two twenty eight. Six three, two thirty. It's pretty insane because I feel like growing up, uh, we always thought of catchers as these like short, stocky dudes. Yeah, because the some, great the great Hambino from from Santa, yeah. I always thought catcher had to be fat because of that. Yeah, but it's it wasn't until something ha- I don't know who was really the trendsetter with it, and then I think like Pudge a little bit shorter too. Yeah, um, but we just started seeing these like dudes who are like six five, and for example, uh, he doesn't play pro baseball, but one of my best friends from home, Riley Hayes, yeah, he was a catcher, dude. homeboy yeah. six five. So there's something happened where they're like. You're big. You're gonna be our catcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, cool, man. So uh, that's gonna do it for this episode. Uh, we'll be hopefully back. Uh, oh, we will be back this uh, end of this weekend with um, an Astros series preview. Again, another short episode, but just something for you guys to mull over so you have some stats going into that. Um, all right, cool, Julio. I'll talk to you this weekend, and last but not least, let's go Oakland. Woo! They did it. The monkeys the off the back. Let's keep going. Is over. Town Tailgate, 
is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, <laughs> and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland. Oh, 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 oh,